Please have your Bible open to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We continue on Sunday evenings to preach sermons based on passages that have special meaning to you. Your favorite passages are passages that you want to hear delivered in sermon format. And I want to emphasize tonight there is no deadline. We have these scheduled up into January, but we can keep going. So if you have a passage you'd like for us to deal with on a Sunday evening, you can send a text to me or speak to me about it, hand me a piece of paper, email, use any of those forms of communication. Tonight, Philippians chapter 4 and a familiar verse that I'll announce in just a few moments. First, what's happening in Philippians, in Philippi, with Paul, and here in chapter 4. That's where this kind of study needs to begin. I am always talking to you about the historical setting of a passage. What was happening at the time the passage was written, and what was happening in the lives of those who were reading these epistles. That's critical. It's a matter of context. So, Paul was not a free man when he wrote this. In the beginning of the letter, he speaks of his imprisonment. Philippians 1 verse 7. He is in the company or custody of the imperial guard. And he refers to his condition in Rome as his imprisonment for Christ. He says that in Philippians 1.13. So, these are not ideal conditions for the writer of this letter, the apostle. But he continued to write. He continued to preach. Even within that confined circumstance, it says in Philippians chapter 1, he was preaching to the imperial guard. Anybody he came in contact with, he would bring up the gospel of Christ. Now, what makes this impressive is for a man to be incarcerated, held against his will, yet not completely in despair or depressed at all. In fact, several times in this letter, he rejoices and he calls upon his readers to rejoice. I want you to stop and think what kind of letter would we write if we were in prison, if we were in custody? I think many of us would write a letter to an attorney. And the message would be, get me out of here. That's probably what our impulse would be. This is not the kind of letter you expect from someone who's being held in custody. But Paul is strengthened. How is he strengthened? Not by his internal or inherent power that he claimed. He is strengthened by Christ. And he states that in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. God, through Christ, provided the strength Paul needed to endure this difficulty. 
And in enduring this difficulty, he writes a letter of joy from prison. That's the context of the passage we're going to address. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. But now you know what I'm going to do. We're going to make our way to that verse. I'm going to ask you to get on the bus. And we're going to start in Philippians 4 and verse 1. And we're going to make our way over toward our destiny, which is Philippians 4.13. I think it will mean much more to us if we navigate to it through context. So in chapter 4. Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. This shows the sincere affection Paul had for the Christians in Philippi. He wanted to be with them. He regarded them as his joy and crown, and he wanted them to stand firm in the Lord. Now, this might lead you to think that the church in Philippi might have been just a perfect church. So Paul loved them so much and he wanted to be there so much. Maybe this was just the perfect church. Well, there is no such thing. And Philippi was not perfect. There were two sisters who needed help getting along. I entreat you, Odia, and I entreat Synthache to agree in the Lord. And then he said, Help these women who labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Stop there for a moment. If there are people at odds with one another, there needs to be prompt remedy applied. Good reconciliation. You can't put that off. Don't just treat someone with distant, cold, immature attitude that can generate long-term grudges. Fix it promptly. This is part of Paul's warm affection for the group. The message is resolve conflict quickly. It's what Christians do. And then here is the song of the prisoner. Somebody put it that way one time. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Not the kind of letter we might send from prison. Paul doesn't let prison walls crush his joy in Christ. It, it doesn't make him bitter. And he continues to write to brethren and urge them to be reasonable he said, the Lord is at hand. That is to say, stay close to the one who is close to you. And then he said to them, now he's the one being held. But he said to them, <clears throat> do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And here is the promise if you avoid debilitating anxiety through prayer and gratitude, listen carefully now, if you avoid 
debilitating anxiety through prayer and gratitude, here can be the result. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. But you'll need to keep your head straight. Finally, brothers, verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Now remember as you read all this, here is an apostle of Christ not living in ideal circumstance. But he's making the best of his situation and he can't shut up about the gospel and he continues to do what he can through writing to edify and encourage Christians. And in this next section, Paul is thankful for their support. These are people who funded his work, even when his work wasn't right there with them. These are people who funded his work, 10 through 12. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had not opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. The Christians in Philippi, though they were not rich, as they had opportunity, supported Paul in his work. And this was one of Paul's causes of joy. And notice how he offers very important clarification in 11 and 12. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Now, how is it that Paul learned this? He learned to be content no matter his fluctuating income, his changing circumstance, his living conditions, he had learned contentment. How did he learn it? Next verse. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. God, through Christ, strengthen Paul to have this kind of courage and contentment and to rejoice no matter what his circumstance was. So here we are at our verse, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And as you would expect, I'm going to make four observations about this verse. 
This is strength Christians have. Once a sinner obeys the gospel, becomes a Christian, and begins to grow and learn and develop, this strength is imparted. God doesn't just strengthen people randomly. Pagans and atheists and unbelievers and non-Christians cannot reach into Philippians 4 and claim verse 14 as theirs. God doesn't just strengthen people randomly. He always imparts strength to his faithful people. Always. So if I'm not a Christian, I can't just reach into this verse and claim it. It can become motive to become a Christian. But if I'm not a Christian, I'm not living faithfully to God, I cannot claim the marvelous promise of Philippians 4.13. If I am a Christian, I need to be aware every day of this power. And let me add, when I'm strong... I don't get the glory. I cannot claim that I did it independent of the Father working through the Son. No, this is strength Christians have along with all the other blessings God infuses into the minds and lives of His people through His Word and based on the atonement of His Son. When I think I'm powerless or weak, I need to reflect on this verse. This verse should be prominent in my mind as I journey through the changing stations and circumstances of life on earth. God strengthens those who are committed to Him, who abide in Christ. But let me tell you about this verse, that it isn't a blank check. This verse cannot be contorted to mean... We can do anything we want. And Christ will strengthen us in those behaviors and endeavors. It should be obvious. When everything before and after Philippians 4.13 is taken into account, Christ will not strengthen us to sin, to lie, to commit adultery, to steal, insult people, teach error, abandon the assembly. I think sometimes... People in the popular religious world, or in the irreligious world even, search the scriptures to find some blank check where they can write in anything they want, any thought, word, behavior they prefer, and claim after they've decided they're going to do that, and as they do it, that God is blessing them in that behavior. No. We cannot do that with Philippians 4.13 or any other verse in the book. This is about doing what is right no matter how hard it is. And we can do what's right no matter how hard because God strengthens His people through Christ. This strength finds expression socially and circumstantially. Let me explain. We saw, as we discussed the context of the letter, and chapter 4 in particular, that this is not about a man who is stern and stoic and unaffected by his chains. 
But we noted that in his relationship with people, he was strong and there was joy and love and affection. So both in regard to his circumstance and his relationship with people socially and circumstantially, he found joy because he was strengthened by Christ. And we need both. Sometimes we need this kind of strength in the circumstances of life. Illness, poverty, pain. Sometimes we need this strength in dealing with people. Remember there were two women in Philippi who needed to be strong and determined to reconcile, to remedy their conflict. So this strength in Philippians 4.13 finds expression in the lives of God's people both socially in relation to people and circumstantially in relation to conditions that we face here on earth. Like every other promise, this one must be received and kept. And it is received and kept by the activity of faith. Like every other promise, this one must be received and kept and it is received and kept by the activity of faith. I'll tell you this, you can't just put this verse on your refrigerator door and forget it. In fact, it really wasn't given for your refrigerator. You can't just memorize it. This verse wasn't given just to commit to memory. It has to be received initially and then kept through the activity of faith. It has to become a part of how we think, how we react, the maintenance of good attitude, outlook. Like every other promise, it must be received and kept by the activity of faith. I'm going to close this way. Do you ever have a feeling of insufficiency that you have a task or an assignment you know that God wants you to participate in it but you don't feel you are strong enough in and of yourself to do it you're not you're not strong enough in and of yourself. I don't have sufficient strength just in myself to be a preacher or a good husband or elder, grandfather or neighbor. I don't have what it takes. I'm not well equipped in and of myself. Here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 5. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. If you're taking notes, or if you have notes written in the margin of your Bible alongside Philippians 4.13, I would put down 2 Corinthians 3.5. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us. But our sufficiency is from God. That's the point. 
in Philippians 4 and verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now let's take that from the building into the week and the rest of our lives. Let's be standing while we sing.